0: Say they're like coast to coast, but on demand, raw and
1: uncut interviews, and all without no ads. One says false and one says true, and the rage of grows too. America, America is here for you. Stories from the listeners they sent to Graham, he'll read the man. But Darren may say no One says red and one says blue But if it's balls, it just won't do America Grimerica is here for you Okay guys, welcome back to the Grimerica show uh, We're going to be chatting with David Rodriguez a little bit later about um, the secret underground history of American education. Uh, we're going to be talking with Red Pill Junkie in the intro here, playing some new jingles. But first, as always, the great Graham up. Merry Christmas.
0: Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, we're also going to be chatting about um, options for education as well, the positive side and the solution instead of uh, putting your kids into... The public school system. So, David Rodriguez has done a lot of work creating a a conference and different uh, solutions all coming together for people to choose instead of like the education system. So, yeah, it was a good interview.
2: That was a fun one. Buddy's good. Dave's good. That's pretty interesting. You know, my my older sister, Angelica, has a master's degree in in education. She's been in charge with uh, designing the school curricula for, for many, many middle schools and high schools here in, in Mexico. You know, the, the, the schools are uh, are managed by the Legion of Christ, you know, who were the ones who also uh, founded one of our top universities down here, the uh, Universidad Anahuac. So that's education and novel, novel systems of, the, of education is something that she and I discuss quite a lot. You know, she, she's a, a big fan of people like Salman Khan and another guy from India, Sugata Mitra, I think his his name. So these are people who have designed and, and come up with really novel and very out-of-the-box Methods, methods of education, you know, not completely outside the the, the traditional form of, of of schooling.
0: Yeah, yeah, we talk about Sugata Mitra in the episode.
2: Ah, interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, yep. he he, talk, he's, he was really really good at plugging everybody that that he knows that's kind of writing about this stuff or <laughs> or talking about it. Actually, Khan didn't come up, and I was thinking I I couldn't remember the guy's name at the time, but
1: yeah he was great yeah he's like he adopted he took up the torch from John Taylor Gatto or whatever when he it, get, it gets
0: more conspiratorial than I ever thought it would oh yeah
1: Talking he jumped right it. into oh, it too right off the bat we figured we were going to have to tiptoe into it but yeah. he was just like bam right yeah. away
2: yeah interesting so this may be the very first Grimerica episode that I'm going to ask my sister to listen to
0: <laughs> oh boy so better be on be the nice best behavior yeah. So no swearing, Darren. Fuck. No saying Jesus. <laughs> no saying Jesus in vain.
2: No, it's not like that. My 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 sister is not uh, uh well she's not very uh, overtly religious. I mean she she is a Catholic and she worked for 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 a Catholic uh university. Uh but it's not like that. In fact, you know, the the problem with with those idiots is that and uh, They downplayed her role and her her accomplishments in that organization, mainly because she happened to be a, uh, she happens to be a, a single mom uh, and a divorced woman. So that's a big no no for those fundamentalists. Right, right. Pendejos! <laughs> I'm the one who's going to swear here because it's need it's need to be said. Pendejo. Wow. Pendejos. That's a swear. Pendejos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so before... So, yeah, well, so Sorry. No, I just wanted to say before we, we forget, we should talk about the upcoming Christmas episode. Darren, what do you want to say about that? We're doing a like a simulcast live in, like live in. We're
1: doing a live call-in simulcast with the Grayling Report and Expanded Perspectives. And Red Pill Junkie. Red Pill Junkie, this? a couple other people are going to call in, I think. I don't know, anybody can call in. So and we're going to
0: have some like, previous guests calling in as well?
1: Yeah, I know Matthew wants to pop in for a few minutes. Matheson. Oh, okay. Um, that's all I've talked to you so far. I was going right. to talk to you and anyone else, anyone who's listening, uh, you can Skype us at Grimerica. I'm not sure what our Grimerica phone number is or what the Graylian call-in number is, but we'll have them both in the show notes for this episode. All mm. oh, right. Really? He yeah, first. I'll get them by tomorrow. We can always put them in after or whatever. I'm sure, Micah. If well, worst, I'll get a hold of Micah tomorrow. I'll call him tomorrow. So.
0: Okay. So we'll have information. But it's gonna in be, the show I know it's going to be that, right? next
1: Tuesday. I know it's going to be next Tuesday from nine to midnight Eastern.
0: Nine to midnight Eastern, and they can listen live by going to Micah's thing, the Gray program? thing. Our probably? thing. Well, or I'll, I'll thing. put a thing. I'll You'll post put a thing? A,
1: yeah. Okay. I'll figure out what it is and I'll embed it on our page. I'll put it on the backstage page.
0: Really? Okay. So, grayamericaca slash backstage, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: And then, uh, so, but I think it wouldn't matter. People could call our Skype if we, that, that, or our phone number, or Micah's, or Expanded Perspectives has one. Okay. I'll put them all. I'll try and get them all.
2: Okay. So it I should be fun. try to organize that. Otherwise, it's going to be a mess.
1: It's going to be a mess. It's going to be fucking chaos. Release, well, man. I'm going to get a six-pack. No, you can't <laughs> You can't be drinking. Micah's controlling the helm. I don't got to do nothing.
2: Oh, boy. We'll record. do the drinking for you, man.
0: And we can all release it as a podcast, right? Yeah. That's the gist that's of it.
2: it. Yeah. Or part of nice. the gist. Nice. That's the gist.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, Micah's. We're all going through Micah's. Well, I'll still record it on our end.
0: And that's Tuesday, the 29th again,
1: right? That's right. Maybe I'll get rum
0: and eggnog. Nah. You shouldn't be drinking. I should make
1: my homemade eggnog. Nah. Don't you tell Jekyll me. Jekyll will come out
0: or hide her, whichever the bad guy is.
1: <laughs> Probably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure we'd we'll like to try eggnog once. I, I, I'm curious to see if it tastes like our rompope, which is like. A uh, beverage we have down here made out of eggs and, 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 and milk
1: you want to send you a carton
2: if you can you know
0: do you remember what happened in, last in time you head? drank too much the studio almost like you almost tore the studio down I came in the fucking stuff was <laughs> off the. my closing counters of the third kind record was broken on the floor oh my god <laughs> my, so <what>, my glow in the dark <laughs> alien poster was ripped down
2: what spirits do you use to uh, spike it My eggnog? Yeah.
1: When I make it, so, okay, I'll do another recipe. Oh my God. So, (laughs) you take, you need 12 eggs, a liter of cream, a cup of sugar, maybe a cup and a quarter. That should be about it. Maybe some whipped cream and some nutmeg. And you're going to, you got to separate the eggs. So, get the yolks Mm -hmm. out, put them separate, beat that shit.
2: Beat and, the yolks or the yeah, white stuff? and then
1: you got to fold the eggs. You know, you fold them and they get all frothy and shit. Then you mix yeah. it all together with a mickey of vodka. Or no, sorry, a mickey of... Spiced rum? Mi- a mickey of... No, there's it's a two-six of spiced rum, two-six of whiskey, and a mickey of something. Mm. And that kills all the egg shit so you don't have to cook it. Because I made or I made fucking non-alcoholic eggnog, and it's a real pain because you got to cook it up to temperature without cooking the eggs. Mm. You have to do it super slow and stir it a lot.
0: Interesting. I don't even understand what you're making.
1: That's how you make homemade eggnog.
0: Eggnog? Homemade eggnog with rum in it, not just egg- well, eggnog. I, just- you
1: can make regular homemade eggnog too. It's just right. a lot of cream and egg. So yeah. you got to separate the eggs and frost them, and there's a whole process. Mm. You mm. just mix a bunch of shit together. So you just
0: pre-mix your eggnog?
1: I used to make it from scratch, and then we'd have parties, everyone got blacked out, drunk, and fought each other.
3: <sighs> yeah,
1: so then we stopped making it. Yeah, let's not make
2: it. <laughs> hey, yeah. My mom makes a Christmas punch, you know, with a lot of a lot of fruits, seasonal fruits, you know, the sugar cane, and God knows what else, you know, prunes. And Did you say uh,
0: seasonal fruit or she's an old fruit?
2: Seasonal, oh, you know, the, seasonal. from the season. Sorry, man.
0: <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Keep going.
2: No, no, no. Just, I, I don't have the recipe with me, you know. Is it powerful? It's, it's, it depends, you know. It's, it is without any alcohol that it's up to, to the... You can add some, I don't know, brandy or something. Yeah, but It's pretty good. Why would you want nah, to add brandy to anything ever? Nah, I'm not a brandy man myself. But that's maybe the one occasion in which I will uh, 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 have some brandy or maybe some cognac if you have something. Not, it's not my, it's not my kind of beverage. You know it. You know I think I'm a. You know that I'm a whiskey man. Whiskey and jazz Te- tequila
1: also. Tequila. How about some UFO code?
2: Darren right. Graham going deep. <laughs> it's a profound UFO quote of a week.
0: I haven't heard that jingle for a while.
2: You're going to be able to release a record soon. <laughs> it's a profound UFO
1: quote
0: of a week. All right, thanks for the jingle there, Darren. Anytime. Okay, the real danger to the U.S. and perhaps this whole planet is the government has placed such a heavy secret of blank... Blankacy. Blankacy? I was going to say, yeah. A <laughs> yeah, heavy blanket of secrecy upon this issue. So much secrecy, those in government who have knowledge showing UFO- UFOs are identifiable feel the subject cannot be discussed by those in the know without serious repercussions. Others are afraid. Their friends and coworkers will think they're crazy if they even so much as insinuate that UFOs are identifiable as manned craft from outside the earth. This particularly applies to newspaper editors and publishers, reporters, and analysts. Thus, the U.S. is denying itself the chance to learn more about UFOs or to encourage research, despite the fact that the U.S. stands to gain from such discussions. That's from Sarah McClendon, a White House correspondent and dean of the White House Press Corps. Excerpts from a press release by McClendon on March 30th, 1998.
2: Mm. But what if the elite knows, indeed, way more about the UFO phenomenon than us laymen and you know common citizens? But they're still so confounded by the high strangen- strangeness of it. Then that's the reason, the sole reason, or the main reason, why they choose not to disclose what they know.
0: Because they don't know it all?
2: Yeah, because I they don't know, know. don't know it all. They <clears throat> are still scratching their heads. And maybe, you know... That this is something that I've been discussing with a friend of mine, a pen pal friend of mine. Uh, he sent me a quote, uh, something that supposedly was said by one of those members of the black, black government, You know who said that... Uh, those people in the black world, they are very, well, they are very arrogant and they are very, they consider the rest of us uh, as, you know, plebs and shipples, simple-minded folk who are only interested in, you know, American football and television or whatever, and that's why we simple-minded uh, are, are, are are incapable of uh, or uh, grasping or managing the the complexity of the ufo phenomenon something they they themselves have a hard time uh trying to wrap their heads up around
0: i don't know about that i I kind of tend to think more of like the richard dolan side of things where they don't want to release the technology they don't want to have us they don't want to to have to spread the technology so it's more of like for more of forces there
2: isn't any technology to release what if there isn't any aliens?
1: That doesn't
0: matter. What
2: if, what if the aliens, the the, the 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 technology of the aliens is something that we wouldn't be able to recognize? as technology. I mean, take for example the, the, the ideas that Terence McKenna uh, used to speculate about the the idea that alien intelligence might decide to spread spread themselves around the universe, uh, 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 I amid mean the universe as spores, you know, mushroom spores, uh, traveling the universe and then managing to, to get in contact with other sentient intelligence and then trans uh, transforming and maybe modifying yeah. their the, the genetic structure of these other sentient beings in other planets. Like magic mushrooms? Some- yeah, yeah I, I'm speaking about that. You know, how about... Would you consider a magic mushroom as a technology? Probably. Would you consider ayahuasca a technology? Maybe. Okay, but you will agree that... I can't really speak to it because I've never (coughs) experienced it. Well, but you will agree that it's... If you consider uh, ayahuasca... Uh, a, a cultural product and in, in in that regard a technology, it's very different for uh, from, I don't know, uh, a wristwatch or a computer.
1: If you're but, in the Matrix, do you think you could just download an ayahuasca experience?
2: I don't know. I mean, what I'm trying to get at is that <laughs> maybe the technology of an alien intelligence will be so beyond our comprehension, we wouldn't even be able to recognize it
0: yeah i I know what you mean and I understand what you're saying, but you can't deny <clears throat> you can't deny the evidence already that shows something that we consider
2: technological
0: flying around in our sky, so
2: you know that, that we may be, may interpret it as technology because that's <laughs> the only kind of uh, cultural <laughs> scaffold we we can use to try to to
0: yeah, I don't know. Interpre- I, I, maybe some of it, but not all of it. Like I, I, I know what you mean, but I, <laughs> I just think that's too, that's too, too much of a blanket uh, synopsis. Like I think that could be the case for some of it, but some of it, I really do think is just like physical craft flying around.
2: Well, that's still uh, a matter of interpretation, and it's, we still need There's evidence. Thousands
0: of sightings in the the trace evidence that have been left the radar reports all the stuff that doesn't
2: mean that they are uh, physical in the sense that you and I will understand as physical
0: kind of does Uh, no no I I disagree disagree. like landing 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 marks and trace evidence and radar reports
2: remember that you were quoting the matrix uh, just uh, a bit early remember what Morpheus tells uh, Neo what is real if you say real is what you can touch, what you can smell, and what you can taste, that is, that is, that is nothing but uh, ele- electrical impulses, impulses that, that your brain is interpreting. That doesn't mean it's necessarily real. You can fabricate recollections of someone uh, in, in someone else's mind, you know, that maybe someone that, uh, I don't know, tasted. Some kind of a, a very, uh, very nasty uh, tasting uh, uh, fruit or something, but that was only uh, uh, a fabricated memory. This, it didn't happen.
0: Yeah, but it, in the end, the main thing is somebody's flying around in something some of the time, and somebody in the higher levels of uh, international corporatocracy knows about it. So you say,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You just want to play your little Star Trek fight jingle. You guys are okay. fighting. I had to tone it down a notch. I no, know, I like Want to play know, it know, hear my new sad. jiggle? Listen to this one. You'll like this one. This one's about you.
0: Oh, no. Is this one of your surprise jingles? Spam! funny okay well i got a spam actually perfect he says uh this is from david b he says possible puzzle piece thanks for the email david he says hi graham and darren this isn't the first time i've contacted you the first time was through facebook telling you guys about me getting the eiffel tower correct during a commute one work morning whilst listening to your amazing remote viewing episode but i recently had a thought about a possible piece of the ever-expanding rabbit hole puzzle what do you guys think I read an online article about grounding oneself and the benefit of doing so. It was a very interesting article talking about how rare, if ever, people in the Western world actually go outside barefoot, being in direct contact with Mother Earth. This got me thinking. Then the article talked about us human beings actually missing out on beneficial natural electrolytes, minerals, and the stabilizing of energetic imbalances. My observation is this. Is it plausible that Western human beings have been duped into wearing shoes to separate us even further from our natural connection with everything in the universe by maintaining a constant barrier between the soles of our feet and our beautiful earth, insulating us from nature using rubber, leathered-soled shoes?
1: That's funny. I've thought that myself. <laughs> I was like, my fucking bare feet rarely touch you ground. I used to go around bare feet all the time. The whole time I was in Cuba, didn't wash nothing.
0: I'm pretty sure I heard Darren... Once say that he likes to go barefoot for a few hours <laughs> every day. A couple episodes ago,
1: that's when, in when the house, go... though. That's the problem.
2: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count.
0: Anyways, keep up the awesome work, guys. Yourselves in the Carlwood are my absolute favorite shows ever. Peace, love, and unity. Davy Onions. Davy Onions, Cardiff, Wales, the UK. and That's another Maybe UK. So you had to
1: say his last name. Didn't it just well, Davy O. No, because that's his nick, that's
0: his nickname. Because the subject has okay. a different name on top. Fine. I've I've hiked in bare feet before. That's why I've done that every time I get a smooth patch, like I can take my shoes off. And
2: Allegedly, hike barefoot. What <laughs> are you a hobbit or something? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he looks From remarkably a like man. a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> that was another edition of Graham's Halloween.
0: At least they pronounced my name right. Not like you. Obviously, you didn't tell them how to pronounce my no, name. I just spelt it, and they did I it. I should properly. have just did it, Graham. Can though. you thank the Fivers for me?
1: I gave them a five star review. Did you? Yeah. Here's the new one for the when we do the quotes. People, the, <laughs> <by> the people. <laughs> <for> the people. <laughs> <laughs> I love you it. You kill yourself, don't you? Yeah, I do. I'm my own biggest fan.
2: Now I demand a jingle with mariachi music. How
1: about a cappella?
2: Sing, City. It's time for another ooh, installment ooh, of the Canadian. Kinetic-
0: So uh, a couple friends of mine started listening to the show, some local friends I I keep in touch with and they're, they're, they're they're enjoying it. Um, So she says here, one of my friends says the pre-interview ramblings. I just love you guys are so funny. And she's listened to some of the Stanton Friedman episode. Already enjoying it. Yep. So I might have a synchronicity story to share.
1: I just played a synchronicity jingle.
0: Exactly. Not sure if, It would even be categorized as a synchronicity, though, here it is. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I was having probably one of the most epic nights of my life, and I know that that's epic in a bad way. I told my husband of 14 years that I was leaving him, and we'd been up all night arguing and crying. We attempted to go to sleep at about 5, although nobody got any sleep that night. A little while after we tried to retire, my dog asked to be let outside. As I walked to the door, wrought with anxiety and fear, I called out to the universe, "Help!" I needed help to make it through that horrifying night. When she
1: hang up on <laughs>
0: I don't think so. When she and I returned to the bedroom, I decided I would listen to something on my iPhone to help me relax. I went to pick up my iPhone, and it started playing by itself. I did not unlock it go to the music app, or select a song. It would have taken several taps to get to the track that was playing on its own, which was the mindfulness of breathing. Amazed, I listened to that meditation and simply breathed. Is that a synchronicity or just a divine event?
1: Just, she says, with a little wink. Sounds like a ghost. I love that story, because you
0: hear about these things that happen to people with... It's Tying not a
2: synchronicity.
0: No, it's a divine intervention, though, I think, of some sort. You would. I would.
1: Can <clears> my you answer like, the fucking phone?
0: I was um doing a... Group, <laughs> just a, a ignore group, it.
1: I'm, I'm in the middle of a Who's story. Who's calling?
0: I don't know. Oh, is that somebody calling?
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's red.
0: Does it just start recording again?
1: <laughs> it's been recording the whole time.
0: Does it record this whole thing? Like yeah. the ringing and everything? Ring. Everything.
1: Hello? You've ruined the show. I ru- I've ruined the
0: internet. Oh. Not you, Red. Not- grandma's ruined the show.
1: You're ruining the internet. This is the last episode. And I was
0: going to talk about my experience with the, my. I was in a group I'm, meditation and I'm we were out. doing a mindfulness of breathing. And <laughs> I was thinking, because I'm trying to breathe more and how beneficial it is. Like we talked about in tonight's episode with John Anthony West about that Wim Hof stuff. I should just be practicing mindfulness of breathing every day like even 10 minutes and then then I during the day I would catch myself holding Drifting my breath and mindfulness breathing and then like
1: breathe it's very to breathe on tense
0: It doesn't have to be like that So thanks for the email and welcome to some local listeners.
1: Yeah, welcome. think I can't read it.
0: That's okay. It's not supposed to be read. It is just a cool divine
1: intervention. Yeah. So, Red,
0: what's going on with you, buddy?
2: Mm, is that the synchro you had? Uh, I uh, recently tried to promote, help promote the new book. By Mike Leland, the Messengers, which which is getting uh, a lot of praise and, and, and five-star reviews on Amazon. Wow! Yeah, Perfect. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I feel really proud, uh, uh, really proud uh, for Mike because I know that he really put his heart and soul into this project, and this is something that that uh, began to take form years in advance, even, I think, even before he realized he was meant to write this book, you know, when he started his his blog, not really knowing what, what it was all about. And then, you know, very soon, he started to get a, a, a very devoted following and, and also like a... a plethora of, of emails of people who wanted to share their strange owls, owl experiences with him. And that's, that is the, the, the origin of the messengers, which you can find in Kindle format on the Amazon uh, store and or, or also in paperback.
0: Wow, I didn't even know he was working on the book. So for for those listeners who aren't sure, Mike Clelland had a had a podcast called Hidden Experiment, Hidden Experience, and he hey, talked about some crazy synchronicities. Like, I suppose that's a good on. Yeah, we should have him on. Would okay. he Would he come on, Red? You want to get him on? To
2: set it up? Oh, you, you I would could, love
0: to. You could help uh, interview him if you want.
2: Oh yeah, I would love to. I I, I actually already. Uh, did a, a, a bit of a QA with him it was something that was conducted uh, via email so I sent him a, a, a bunch of questions that I then posted on the daily Grail this was not uh, mind you the typical uh, QA that you that you give to uh, to an author after they release a book this was something that uh, that i wanted to do as a, as a fan of mike as and as a follower of his work for for several i think that well 6 years by now i've been i've been uh, a regular uh, reader on on his blog with an experience so I, d- I decided to go uh, really deep with the questions you know some of the things that that i know that are important to mike and i th- what i think was uh, his reasoning behind trying to to, to write this book? Uh, you will find that on the on, on the Daily Grail, and you will also find an exclusive uh, set of excerpts. You know that Mike uh, expressly chose uh, to share with the readers of the Daily Grail. You can find that uh, on the. Top of the Daily Grail webpage, the, where we where we keep our our guest articles, you can find that, and it's really incredible. You know, even if you have never heard about Mike Lennon, if you are still thinking, what well, what what the hell is this all about? That those excerpts excerpts will will give you a fairly good assessment of, of what was um, uh, what is the the Core argument or the core message of of, of this book, which I think it's is something that the UFO community needs to to really pay attention to. Just like the synchronicities that were plaguing Mike uh, several years ago, I think there's there still do. I, th- I don't think that's something that you 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 never get rid of. You know, it kind of like goes in cycles. You know, you get cycles in which you get. Ca- you get the synchronicities really strong and very, very uh, close one from another, and then you have like a, a like a, a relaxed period in which you barely get any. But uh, anyway, what I mean uh, what I think is that the UFO community, those people like who think in the, about the UFO phenomenon in a very uh, material and not some bolts perspective they will benefit greatly in in reading that book and trying to see that there is a whole spectrum of experience that they've been neglecting and ignoring for for many decades so maybe that is where we will be answers
0: let's uh let's set that up
2: Mm -hmm. perfect
0: are you uh are you still thinking of going to paramania
2: oh definitely okay that's a that's a 95% 95% possibility. I'm also uh, thinking about going to the International UFO Congress in February. Huh, that's oh, good. Yeah. That's, where I, that's, where I met, that's
0: where I met there. Mike Clown three years ago.
2: I know. Um, uh, uh, myself, Greg Bishop and our friend Robert Robert Bur- Burns State, You know who was one of the leading lights in, in the Barakas Forum. I think he kind of quit recently i I I'm really don 't know why, but you know that Robert was one of the people that I really respected a lot. His opinion was uh, invaluable to me, and we the three of us are thinking about going there because we really want to see if we can have the chance to to at least speak five minutes with Jacques Vallée, who is going to is going to give some kind of a, a, Will you be wearing your what? Grammarica shirt? Uh, maybe. I'm definitely going to be wearing my uh, keep calm and take the red pill shirt.
1: <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. See, this is Graham's fault. Yeah, are well, not putting the red pill on the fucking Gramerica no,
0: shirt. No, I told everybody what was going on. It was an extra $2
2: fail. a shirt. So. I actually my got a Facebook message the other day. I shirt It's more than a year old.
1: So... Well, huh. We don't have any fucking five axes. Oh, we will we'll have ho, 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 ho. to get one tailored. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, well, the you the know shot, what? Sure. I should. Yeah, I'll send you some shirts. Uh, send me, send me a couple. Is it double,
2: double, the double, double, double XL. I'll send no, 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 XL. Okay. You know? <laughs> send I'm, told, I'm not that <laughs> that large.
1: I can't. I can't remember. It's been over a year. Is Mike Clellan
0: going to be there?
2: Not sure. I asked him, but because I uh, uh,
0: sent him a shirt down as well.
2: He didn't reply back. Uh, I I'm guessing he might be. I mean, it's only logical, right? He just published a book, and he wants to to have as much as many people buying it as possible. So, what better place to to promote it than the International Beautiful Congress? Yeah, exactly.
0: Speaking of shirts, I'm sending one off to Australia for somebody that donated, and. Um,
1: oh, perfect! Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna <laughs> say. And let's get feedback from some weird, from some new countries. Oh, that's great! We're in so many countries, let's try and get an email from everyone.
0: Yeah, we really like getting <laughs> getting. We really like to hear from people and get emails and stories, and uh, you know, donations always help. The igloo is freaking cold. I have a winter. jingle addiction. You have a jingle addiction, yeah. We have.
1: This is for when one of your stories goes south. It's a train wreck. Oh, it's a train
0: wreck. Oh, okay. Very good. Thanks.
1: Yeah, of course, check out grandamerica.ca slash support. Uh, I'm going to get pictures of the shirts up there over the holidays at some point when I have my week off. I'll get those up. Um of course donations of twenty five dollars or more. We'll get you a t shirt, uh thirty dollars or more if you're across the pond. But we haven't had any trouble shipping anywhere yet, so I don't foresee any.
0: It's actually more expensive in Canada, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, you're kidding me.
1: No. No, not at least at the holiday season they jack up the rates. But, uh, of course, check out all the different options there. You can do one-time donations, or you can sign up for a monthly. Uh, big thanks to all our monthly subscribers. You guys are the guys that really help pay the bills and keep us moving forward, so check out the different options there. Big thanks to Napoleon
0: Doom, who does our weekly artwork, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that he wouldn't mind a little competition. I know there's some people uh, offering graphic, graphic uh, design services and stuff. So if T-shirts people wanna... as well. If people want to do, how do we do that? If people want to, they can get in touch with me, Graham, at com, and I'll send them, like, show notes for the for the art. Like, they could do the art based on that. Yeah, you deal with that. Yeah, I'll deal with that. But anyways, Napoleon's doing a, a damn good job right now, so. Yeah.
1: Nice. And Wayne Darnell does a website. Justin does a newsletter. A couple people take and some shit for us. Big thanks to all those people. Um, But yeah, check out greatamerica.ca slash support. You can sign up for anything from a buck a month to 30 bucks a month. Uh, Of course, uh, all we ask is a buck an episode. Even a buck a month. That's like like 25 cents an episode. Like 5 cents an hour.
0: Yeah, Just to cover expenses.
2: Yeah. Heat (laughs) being the biggest.
0: (laughs) Right on. Thanks for joining us, Red Pill Junkie.
2: No, anytime. I'm looking forward to Joining you once again next week on the Grimericus Festivals special episode. <laughs> yeah, Festivus.
1: It'll be grimerica.ca slash backstage. We'll have some info on the Facebook page, the Twitter page. I did, uh, Micah has confirmed it will be 9 to midnight Eastern. And his call in number will be 828 398 4886. And uh, yeah, that should be a bit of organized chaos, hopefully, to some extent. Either way, we should have fun uh getting everyone in under one roof right on looking forward to it yeah thanks guys It's tuesday the 29th tuesday the 29th yeah. from 9 to midnight eastern free for all call Ooh. in if you want email in whatever all right whatevs tune in live uh or i'll probably release it in the podcast over the next day or two after that all right guys enjoy the chat with david rodriguez and we will pick you up in the outro
3: Mary, Mary.
0: We have David Rodriguez here today. Um, he's a publisher of the Underground, American, Underground History of American Education by the world-famous teacher John Taylor Gatto. And he's also the founder of Education Options, which is a nonprofit that promotes private schooling and homeschooling. Uh, let's see what else we got here. He's, the, he's also the founding principal of Valor Academy, which is a private school, grade 6 to 12, and sets students free to pursue their interests, passions, and dreams. And he's doing work, uh, his newest book project is uh, with Mr. Gatto, and also contributions from Dr. Ron Paul G. Edward Griffin and Lou Rockwell, and will be made into a film in 2018. So this is kind of an area that we haven't really explored yet. We're really looking forward to getting into it. Uh, Welcome to the show, David.
3: Hey, great to be with you guys.
0: So this is kind of new to me. I've heard a little bit about, you know, like the underground history of American education, and it's one of those things that's kind of hard to believe but uh, I was just researching your you know your website there a little bit like education options. Um Darren's probably a little bit more, you know, interested in this than me just from a real like being a, a parent with his kids just about going to school, but how do you, how did you uh how did you come to the point where you started creating solutions for this this problem?
3: Well, the first realization I had was coming across the work of John Taylor Gatto as you mentioned Um, And some of the folks who might not know about him, he's famous for being the New York State Teacher of the Year two times and New York City Teacher of the Year three times. So he was in this really elevated position, and he started basically blowing the whistle, and he said, quote, I don't want to hurt kids to make a living any longer. So um, it's it's pretty powerful, the courage that he has to come out and speak that. And for myself, personally, I went to the public school system, got a university degree, and I knew something wasn't right in the system. And so when um, you know, Gatto starts revealing some of these early documents, which indicate that there's powerful people who want to control the masses and they use school as a tool to do that, as many people can relate with. And it's just a, just a big question of what to do about it. So. Um, the solution which I identified and a lot of inspiration from uh, Gatto and uh, there's a guy named A.S. Neil. He's famous with a school called Summerhill in the U.K. Um, but the idea is to opt out, you know, and either uh, homeschool your kids or uh, do some type of private schooling, Montessori, uh, Democratic schooling. And so it came about just seeing where, you know, Gatto takes us in his literature and what to do about it. So um, that's how I came across the uh, founding education options. And just really want to empower the young people. You know, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from uh, Buckminster Fuller. And he said, every child is a born genius. <laughs> the, the problem is they get genius trying to please their teachers and please their parents. So I really related to that. And I said, I, I wanna help my kids and uh, untap their potential
0: yeah that's a good quote. I don't think I've heard that
1: one from Buckminster yet Buckminster um so yeah, can you give us uh for for our listeners that are kind of in the dark can you give us a rundown of exactly uh, what mr. Gatto's literature kind of pertains to and where where the education system came from
3: yeah, it is a, a big, long history, and the essence is that there are elite you know rulers and people who believe they're superior to the masses, who want to control the masses. And one of the best um, documents to direct people to, this is from 1806, there's a philosopher named Johann Fichte, last name spelled F-I-C-H-T-E, and he uh, made a speech called the Addresses to the uh, German Nation. And what he was speaking about in this address is – related to their economy, because they were a big military economy in Prussia at that time. And uh, Napoleon had just defeated their army. And he said the problem was that these soldiers were protecting their lives and their self-interest and they were not following orders. So he said the problem was they have too much imagination and we have to inculcate them in a school system to remove that imagination. And so that's in 1806. And it carries on uh, through Germany. Um, There's an experimental psychologist named Wilhelm Wundt. It goes on to John Dewey in the early 1900s. Um, There's a a powerful quote from the, um, uh, what's his name? Frederick Gates at the Carnegie foundation. And um, he was saying in our dream, we have limitless resources. The people yield themselves with perfect hostility to our molding hand. The present educational uh, conventions fade from their minds and unhampered by tradition. We work our own good upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or of science. We are not to raise up among them authors, orators, poets, or men of letters. We shall shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor will we cherish even the humbler ambition to raise up from among them lawyers, doctors, preachers, statesmen, of whom we now have ample supply. So that's in 1913. And (laughs) when you go, there's more quotes. And the life work of John Gatto is encapsulated in his book, The um, Underground History of American Education. He goes through and documents it. And he just demonstrates that these folks have uh, got together and made these statements, and they, they agreed. Yep, school's the way to do it. Um, Fichte back in the early 1800s. And um, even if you go before that, uh, you have uh, Machiavelli who wrote The Prince, and it all has to do with controlling other people's lives and um, helping them become prisoners within themselves. Uh, which is uh, what, what uh, John Calvin spoke about: self alienation or self policing, so that you learn your place. And if an authority says something, you don't uh, resist; you simply follow the orders. And you know that's what the what the Nazi soldiers' their defense was: we were just following orders. And so obedience can be a, a very devastating thing when it comes to uh, following out orders, which are immoral and damaging to other humans.
0: Wasn't, wasn't there a quote from... What's the uh, new one the,
3: in the States? Duck the, and cover or run and hide or...
1: See something, say
0: something? Oh, yeah, if
3: you see
1: something, <laughs> say something.
3: I don't know right. if that's what you're it, thinking, but... <clears throat> that, um, that's, that's one of the examples where they actually turn people against themselves, and this is a tactic of divide and conquer. So you have people saying, oh, there's enemies out there, so you police, and if you see something suspicious, you call us when, in fact... It's the you know the people with the power who are really um, just taking advantage of everyone and their good hearts and goodwill. But yes, see something, say something. Such a scam in itself.
0: Now, wasn't there a presidential quote too from like 1915 or something or 1917?
3: Who was the? uh, Oh, I can't remember now.
0: Who was your president uh, back then?
3: Yep, that was. I have that one. I wanted to read that one too. Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson said this, he said, we want one class of persons to have a liberal education and we want another class of persons, a very much larger class of necessity in every society to forego the privilege of a liberal education and fit themselves to perform specific, difficult manual tasks.
0: Now, now, if people think this is a conspiracy because it you know, it, it's hard to believe, like, but there's so much, you've got so much documentation showing that. I mean, and that's a quote from the president. Like, it's pretty clear that that's, that's the way they want it to go. But it, it reminds me kind of of the banking system, too, because we talk about that a little bit here, and people seem to to think that it's just supposed to be that way. Like, the banks are supposed to make money off of usury and, like, charge, and, you know, we're supposed to be living in debt, the nations of the world. It's, it's similar to this. Like, people, I don't think they'll realize that how true of a conspiracy this this could be like that this is education system has been manufactured for a reason to be what it's like
3: correct and to just demonstrate the evidence because it is really you know hard to believe Gatto's whole story was that he was a an advertising man he was a business guy and he just decided to substitute teacher for a little bit and he saw some strange things occurring in the classroom uh-huh. and so he said let's just see you know what happens if I stay this is very interesting you know what's happening here so his whole um reason for writing the book and doing what he's doing his net his um you know just loads of, of, of research he said i had to prove to myself that it wasn't just an imagination that i was seeing but um he had to prove it to himself that you know these guys are doing that and um it is i mean the the real i should say the evidence is the compulsory attendance laws that are in place and What happens is that if you made attendance voluntary, now people would not go to school. They would do other things at home with their families, with their friends. They would pursue their own interests. And I'm not quite sure about Canada. I'm sure it's very similar. But in the U.S., the schools are paid on something called average daily attendance. It's called Mm. ADA. And if you miss a certain number of days, your parents get a call from the truancy office or the truancy. Uh, see, um you no know, counter in attendance there. And they say, hey, where's uh, Sally at? You know, we, we're, we've really missed her. In fact, what happens if she misses a certain number of days, they lose money oh, on that. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Did you realize that, Darren? I didn't realize that, that the schools were actually getting money <laughs> for good attendance.
1: Well, why also would they employ truancy officers? Yeah. You know, if they weren't getting money for attendance, why would they, buy, why would they care if you were in school? Right. i don't know yeah, if it's sir. like that in canada I don't no know i don't not since i mean i don't know you're quite a bit older than i am but um since i was little like no one gave a shit if we skipped school we right? really? we get in trouble yeah yeah but no one came looking for you
3: <laughs> yeah it's that's great to hear i mean i would recommend all the canadian listeners just to opt out and not go i mean the um down here in the states is that yeah See, if you that, don't go yeah you get Your parents get fined, and if they don't pay those fines, they could spend some time in jail with these fines. It's just so absurd.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know if you don't go completely. I don't know what they do here. Like, I know Tom's wife homeschools all their kids, so.
0: Wow. It Um, seems daunting. Like, when you say opt-out, that must be scary for so many people.
3: A lot of people do feel fear, and the reason they do is they think, okay, if I pull my daughter out of school, then that means I have to become the expert in seven subjects. And, I, oh, you know, nice. I I barely got through school, so I don't know what to do. And that's what's so revolutionary about the internet. As you guys know, you can literally search up anything and find answers and um, you can learn so much. And some parents even hire like a music teacher or they make a trade with one of their friends. So it's a it's a challenge for parents because parents, uh, parents were schooled also their mind was conditioned and not allowed to explore and be independent and creative and find ways to express themselves and you know pursue their own uh, fulfillment there they were schooled they were told hey here's the assignment memorize these things there's a test on friday and if you don't do good on the test your life is going to be totally screwed you know i mean this is kind of the fear they put in there and the fact about that is that Nobody asks you about your GPA when you grow up and move on to the adult world. Nobody asks you about your SAT scores, and that's uh, just proof that that doesn't matter. And what matters in the real world is performance. You know, Can you give value? Can you uh, be of service to somebody? And if you can, yeah, you can get a job or you can start a business or um, whatever you choose to do, and parents do feel overwhelmed. And what I would say is utilize – so many resources on the internet there's so many books written on how to homeschool and one solution is to create a homeschool cooperative and this is where you just form a little group of you know like-minded parents and you say okay i'll take the kids on monday and friday and you take them on this day or however you want to work it out and you know share some of that workload um until they get old enough yeah that's a great idea Mm. i mean because you said you have some young kids under the age of five once they start getting to 11 12 13 14 these are young adults and i would say even adults if they're given the opportunity to go explore take responsibility and go take some risks you know but if they just get coddled and said you know this is what you have to do and you know do as i say it's hard to become an independent person Uh, there's a funny story by uh, richard branson And his mother was really worried that he would become a dependent person, a dependent human being. So at age four, and this is written in his autobiography, uh, Richard Branson, he said his mother drove him about uh, seven or eight miles away from their home in the UK. And she said, Richard, do you think you can find your way home from here? And he looked around. He said, yeah, I think i can find my way home. She said, okay, get out and do so. So she kicked him out of the car. You know, he said he could do it. And she drove home and waited for her four-year-old son to find his own way home. And uh, when he got home, you know, many hours later, he said, nothing in my life ever seemed hard for me to do again. And this is because he took on his own being. And this is also known as a rite of passage, right, where you're given a chance to meet yourself in the face of uh, risk and who knows death, and you find yourself. Um, and so you know who would do that today? It's quite risky. Oh for yeah, you.
0: imagine that you get arrested <laughs> pretty much right away.
3: Yeah, four is pretty young to do that, but uh, it's a different time and you know different era. But even now, like age eight or ten, these young people are just you know they're just little people, but their minds are there. And back in the days age 12 13 you're an adult you're on the farm you're expected to contribute to the family uh potentially the the income of the family the value of the farm and they weren't babied like our culture does now and you know many of us we don't find some way some independent way in this lifetime until we're 22 or 25 (laughs) or 30 and, and and it's because we're not instructed on how to do that but like uh Fuller said, we have so much genius inside of us, and it's, um, it's something that we learn. It's also called learned helplessness, and uh, you can't un- unlearn it, um, but it's easier just to uh, raise stronger children than fix broker- broken men. That's what Fred- Frederick Douglass said. Um, so this is, this is why I find a lot of hope in the young people, and I would just tell parents, you know, uh, connect with other like-minded parents and maybe have similar values but you can do it. You can totally do it. There's a lot of resources out there. So don't feel by yourself. And, uh, even John Gatto stuff, you put a lot of his speeches on YouTube and, uh, he's got a, a newsletter that, uh, you know, we send out inquiries cause there's a big movement. There's a lot of people upset mm-hmm. uh, with common core, <laughs> uh, common core is this new curriculum.
1: Hey, I seen that. The new textbooks.
3: Did you you
1: see any of the math problems? Yeah, I was looking at the math, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, when they sold me those books. (laughs) Because I bought all (laughs) the other books, and then she was like giving me – she's like, oh, and then she was trying to sell me the adult books. So she's Mm. like, yeah, here's the new thing. And I'm looking at the math, I'm like, I can't – that's not – that's not how to do that. I was like, what's wrong with you? are supposed to, you know, add them up underneath each other. And you know, this time's this. Carry and, over and all that. Yeah. And it's like, all that's gone. I was like, well, that's fucking weird. And I yeah. was like, well, my kids are going to learn how to do it the the way I learned. And she's like, yeah, they'll lose marks. And I was like, there's no way they'll lose marks for doing, showing their work. She hmm. said, she argued with me.
3: Wow. Yeah.
1: I think I made yeah, her uncomfortable. Be- <laughs>
3: Well, you probably did. I mean, these these parents. I mean, these teachers. Was she a teacher or a friend?
1: No, it was just some some girl who showed up at the door selling books, <laughs> southwestern mm-hmm. advantage books or something like that. Like selling te- oh. like kids' textbooks, kind of almost like encyclopedias sorry, or textbooks. Yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah, the other ones do. are real good. Like the ones I bought, all the kids' ones are real good. It yeah, was there's great. The adult ones mm-hmm. that were weird. Oh it was to get me up to speed for them to be in school so right. when they came home you know it's a refresher they call it $700 <laughs> refresher i was like well i have the yeah, internet common core refresher so <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: yeah no you can you can you can get good books from those type of salesmen or sales ladies whatever the case is but the if if your listeners go to youtube and type up uh 4 excuse me 2 plus 2 equals 5 You'll see a representative of the Common Core justifying it in a public forum how a student can do a math problem, 2 plus 2, and justify it in words how it equals 5, and they can get it correct. This is one of the most mind-blowing things. And if you look at some of the other math problems, I um, read through them, and some of them don't even have enough bits of data to find the answer. So here I am, a you know, a man to think I'm educated, right? I'm trying to read this fifth grade math material, and I can't even get it. You know, find out what the um, parts of the problem are. And for the young kids, here's how it relates to young kids: is that young kids aren't conscious enough to realize, hey, there's not enough parts to solve this, so the problem's bad. They actually point the finger at themselves and they think I'm dumb, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. And these these young people five, seven years old are coming home crying, saying, I can't do it. I can't figure it out. And this has got to be one of the most emotional, you know, uh, bad experience and memories that they can um, ex- go through. And then that imprints their life. You know, we're, we're so formed when we're young and uh, common core is a, is a really terrible thing. So that's, that's one reason that parents are starting to cause the ruckus is because, Well, the essence of Common Core is a nationalized curriculum. So there's, you know, 50 states in the U.S. Currently, the capital of each state is responsible for that state's curriculum. What Common Core does, it centralizes it in Washington, D.C. and says, now we know best, so we're going to create one standardized curriculum, and this is going to benefit kids. And, you know, as you guys know, centralization just takes away from the local control and now, you no know, parents have no say, and the state doesn't have any say, and they're just trying to fit everybody into this one mold, which they deem necessary, and they say, you know, be obedient, be conformist. And, and it,
0: isn't it full of propaganda as well, like some of the questions when it gets into the, the you know, the non-math type, type work?
3: It, it does. And some of the uh, reviews that I've seen on it have indicated that they've removed Some of the founding documents of the United States, primarily the Declaration (laughs) of Independence and the Constitution, trying to outdate that, uh, you know, fact of, you know, what made us great. And this is because they have a a United Nations who is pushing. It used to be Agenda 21, and now they're pushing towards Agenda 2030. This just came out, I think, uh, maybe a month or two ago. And these folks want a a world government where, you know, they control our lives and, they control the carbon that we output and they're gonna tax us and try to fund their their government. And it's it's really just trying to accelerate uh, their program and independent thinkers are a big problem in that. So uh, they just wanna have one curriculum and just uh, have an agenda. So in, in terms of uh, understanding uh, one analogy, imagine that uh, Pepsi Cola was the uh, origin, and the uh, creators of the school system inside of a classroom of Pepsi school students, you would see Pepsi products <laughs> everywhere, so,
0: right? That's so weird that you came up with Pepsi. I was thinking about that because I think pe- I could picture Pepsi being in some of the questions.
3: <laughs> and they, that's exactly what they, they, the questions would be. Why is Pepsi superior to all the other beverages on planet Earth, right? And you'd have <laughs> pictures of the, hey, the founder of this Pepsi corporation back in you know 1920 or whenever it was. And so in the same way, the government has its own propaganda of how good the united states government is and they don't mention um the you know uh, heinous crimes of bombing hundreds of thousands of civilians you know in uh, hiroshima and nagasaki or um yeah tokyo the uh the crimes of you know mk ultra just uh brainwashing people unknowingly with lsd and um, I mean, there's a really deep list. There's the Operation Northwoods in 1961, mm-hmm. false fat, false flag, which uh, JFK rejected. And th- this is a public document. That was one of the most alarming ones was Operation Northwoods. I'm sure some of your listeners have heard about it, but check it out. The PDF is on the internet, Yeah. and you can't, you can't make this stuff up. So the uh, propaganda 9/11. in the government. You know, yeah, 9-11, <laughs> false flags. You know, there's a... Very strong evidence about that one. I don't know. did you guys see the new documentary out called Incontrovertible?
0: No, actually no it, that, I will look
3: for it though it's really nice. It was done specifically um speaking to the firemen the uh, you know first responders because it's such a that's a that's probably the biggest um, subject to swallow of of reality but anyways, it's on YouTube for free and those producers, I think, did a fine job. Okay, yeah, I'll check that out. Doing that, but yeah, the uh, the agenda you see is just glorifying the United States government. When in reality, it's free humanity which should be glorified, and the um, amazing things this country achieved in the beginning was because of its freedom, and not because of its compulsory school system. Yeah.
0: Hey, I wanted to ask you about about some more history before we move on to more of the solutions. I sure. thought I, I thought I heard somewhere that, and that this is something that the people probably haven't heard of and that might help kind of uh, realize that, you know, the conspiracy that it is, but didn't they change the the age as well? Like, I don't know if it was in the early 1900s, but it used to be sort of more geared to like elementary school, what we call it up here. And then they added high school later on.
3: Correct. The original compulsory laws, which are in the book, uh, were from age nine to 12 for three months out of the year. Oh, wow. So, Yeah, they started there, and then they went up, and then they went down, and so now you have compulsory education starting at uh, first grade, age seven, all the way up to to age 18, Um, and it's, there's another source that your audience can can look up, it's by a guy named Alexander Inglis, last name is I-N-G-L-I-S, he wrote uh, something called Principles of Secondary Education, and he goes through about halfway through the book and reveals uh the functions of schooling the purposes of schooling and this is in 19 i believe 16 1917 and the first function is to create habits of reaction to authority and so these these are fixed habits that that's the purpose of schooling it is for so yeah that started off with three months and now it's nearly, what, nine and a half, ten months of compulsory school laws. Oh, brutal. So
0: back back to the solution a little bit. I guess it's hard for a lot of parents, not only for the fear of, you know, having to teach your kids, but also monetarily, right? Like, if, if both parents have to work a lot, that's got to make it difficult. It's ironic in a way that the people that can probably afford private school or to homeschool are the people that probably, uh, you know, would have an easier way... Uh, already, and you know, and get, and then the, there's the whole Ivy League college thing. Like, is it harder to get your kids into into those universities if you've homeschooled? Is is that uh, do you have to sort of find a workaround for that?
3: Mm, that's a great question. So there, there's two parts. One is that uh, yeah, when mom and dad are both working, it's yeah, a loss if one of them has to stay home and homeschool. You know, five days a week, so it's a loss of income and. In their mind, in my view, they're just thinking the school's not that bad. So we'll just put them there and, you know, we've got to make some money. We got a nice house. We want to have the the lifestyle that we enjoy. So, um, yeah, we'll just both work. Um, Again, I would just say that once parents understand that the school system is not what it's propagandized to be, it's actually designed to create obedient people. This is a, a really big cause for them to find solutions and to link up with, um, people around them. So, and also, many of the wealthy people don't put their kids in public schools. You know, they put them in private schools, and of course, like you mentioned, they have the means to do so. But Montessori um, or
0: Montessori Montessori,
3: yeah. There's Montessori schools. There's a really interesting one that's uh, starting to uh, do some really great work. It's called AgileLearningCenters.com. They're out in New York. Um, there's uh, NorthStarTeens.org. They're more focused on uh, teenagers, um, but the commonality, which I just find so inspiring and, and lovely about these uh, learning models is that they allow the student to direct themselves and there's guides that are around them, but there's not these experts who are you know, determining what their assignments are going to be. It's more of a question, and this is part of the, one of the best questions to ask somebody as you have young kids is, what are you interested in? You know, what do Mm. you want to learn? Because that's the hook that can inspire so much great learning. And there's a a story or an apocryphal about Einstein. He he was said to be mentally slow as a kid. These are what the doctors said. And then uh, around age uh, four or five, he was given a gift that was a magnet. And it has those... Little small particles of metal that you make little statues and you can play with the magnet and kind of create things and it was said that he was he became so curious what was allowing this magnetic force to you know create this designs and hold together that that curiosity led him to become such a rigorous um learner and reader and this can be you know the um um said to be caused by his his curiosity his own interest versus somebody saying hey you know this is what you must learn to be successful so self-direction i think is a really important thing for parents to look into as well or at least
0: he didn't have to walk home eight miles at the age of four (laughs) he did pretty good without having to do that so if you don't want to make your kid walk home eight miles give him some magnets
1: i like magnets i know you do
3: Hey, magnets are very interesting, you know? And there's a, another great quote from Pablo Picasso. He said, Every child's a born artist. So, hey, if you don't like magnets, maybe somebody likes uh, marker pens and paint and they can, you know, start creating or do some sculpting. But there's so much expression from these kids. And the reason they're not self conscious, you know, you see, you have a two year old and a four year old. So you're like, man, who are these? These are powerful people. We got to direct them a little bit. But there's so much inside of them. That wants to come out. So um, this is – oh, here's an interesting fact from Finland, which uh, apparently has the number one school system in the world. They don't allow their students to go to school until they're age eight. Hmm. It's uh, against the law. So by default, they have to let them hang around the house and do homeschool or various activities. And then upon age eight, then they're legally allowed to go to school. So that's a a really interesting thing that – I think would be better than what we have here in the States. Yeah. Cause aren't they learning most impressed to, it's about
1: learning how to be a person from your parents and people that love you, as opposed <laughs> to someone who's just, you know, maybe not all teachers, but I guarantee you there's a percentage that are just there for a paycheck or, you know, yep.
0: so, cause from age four to seven or whatever, isn't that your most influential
3: where you build a lot of that trust and shit? Yeah, mm-hmm. Right.
1: Hmm.
3: That's what they say. Um, I heard that, Eighty percent of ourself is created by age eight, and then ninety percent of ourself by age eighteen. And again, these are estimates, but come from people that uh, you know study the mind and the human um, achievement arc. And it is you know we have such influence by those ages and memorable events. Uh, Gatto says there'll be fifty experiences up to age uh, seven that will determine the destiny or direction of one's life. And so what he said in that clip that where he mentions Richard Branson, he said, if you want your child to be a genius by the time they're seven, just give them as many experiences as possible, including no risky ones, Hmm. perhaps not as risky as no Richard Branson, but allow them to go out there. He also is famous for saying, what's better than algebra is, exploration experience and adventure Hmm.
0: what was the first part of that quote again at the beginning the 50 what 50
3: yeah the 50 though he said there'll be about 50 experiences um at a young age that the that will determine the direction and destiny of that child's life
0: wow yeah that's interesting so so if you if you have a a kid and you're homeschooling them and and you realize that they really want to be like a doctor or something really technical and, and you want to send them to a good university can you is there is it can you
3: still do that absolutely in fact these uh colleges and universities their whole game is from a branding standpoint they want successful people so if you make an application rather than high gpa and Um, SAT scores, if your daughter wants to be a doctor, then from a young age, and it doesn't have to be five or eight, but, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, have them go volunteer at the local hospitals, have them create relationships with these uh, professionals, Mm -hmm. and uh, at the right opportunity, they might be offered an internship, an apprenticeship, and then they do that at a few locations, And now when your homeschool daughter at age 16 applies to Harvard Medical School and says, look, it's been my dream to be a doctor my entire life. I volunteered here. I apprenticed here. Here's three letters of recommendation from Dr. Jones and Dr. Smith and Dr. whoever. Now Harvard sees, wow, this 16-year-old girl She's not just interested in become a doctor. She's going to do it. So she's either going to do it at Harvard or she's going to do it at Stanford or she's going to do it somewhere. So let's accept her, bring her under our um, supervision and guidance. And then when she skyrockets to success, Harvard can take the credit when, in fact, it was the 16-year-old girl who uh, created all that. And it was the parents who allowed that uh, possibility to occur through trust and you know going down the uncertain path of homeschooling or self-directed learning. I don't know about this, but there are, these are some of the strategies that uh, Gatto talks about in his book, just how students, and he was teaching in, in Harlem, right? In inner city, New York. And there's a funny story about a, uh, one of his eighth graders who was buying a piece of pizza at this um, high-end uh, pizza parlor. And this is where, you know, really rich people went, right? And so the owner of the pizza place took the pizza threw it in the trash and kicked them out and said, get out of here. Don't ever come back. Well, the student comes back to Gatto and says, hey, this is, you know, these are like racist people, and they're like, you know, they kicked me out. And what Gatto realized, he said, you know, this student was a threat to the clientele at this rich upper-end pizza place because he's a, just a, a ghetto kid, and that would, no, they don't want to hang out with those types of people, so they kicked them out. So long story short, Gatto helps him file a small um, uh, claim against him, against the owner. He sends him a letter, gets a, a witness, sends him another letter, sends him a certified letter and ends up taking him to small claims court, wins three times uh, the claim. So he gets you know three pieces of pizza. And so he got to have that experience. Well, the uh, news folks learned about it and through the grapevine. And within a week, he's being asked to lecture at uh, various law schools there. And he ended up, that uh, eighth grader ended up getting an offer and took it uh, to age 15 to go get a full ride scholarship to, I believe it was Duke University um, Law School. And he became a success, he became a lawyer. And he, so these are just you know, one of many stories where Gatto, he uses something called the guerrilla curriculum. And he says, everything I did in my classroom was illegal, right? I would let these kids out and allow them to go explore the city, you know, one day a week with their independent projects. And uh, there's also another great story where there was a a 13-year-old girl. She was very passionate about swimming. She thought her uh, dream was, her destiny was going to be to be an Olympic swimmer. So she says, "Um, I want to learn about the different pools in the city, so her Friday project was go around, take uh, measurements, criteria from these various pools. And so at the end of the year, she had a resource of over 400 or 500 pools with their differences, their public um, or the uh, uh, various attributes, you know, long pool, lighting, parking, costs, and actually made a valuable resource. And again, the, there was a magazine who learned about it and said, hey, we'd like to publish that resource in our magazine. And we'll pay you, but we're not going to put your student's name on it. You know, we have to use our own um, writer. And the student rejected, I think it was $500. She said that she rejected the offer. She said, no, if they're going to publish it, then they can use my name. This, this is mine. <laughs> and so she made this resource that was valuable. There was economic value in creating that. And that was a self-selected project. Hmm. So- this is a, a really powerful aspect, which you guys know, you know, you direct yourself and what your interests are. And that's the essence of life. If you become a lifelong learner.
0: Yeah. That's, that was a good, good explanation about, about university. There's some creative ways there for sure. So, but that's a whole other topic, your universities and the cost of those. And I saw this, this stat the other day about like some of the, like to 10, Ten top banner uh, universities and their median their cost their medium cost uh, per year, and then the wages that people make when they get out, and like the costs are above your your wages when you get out. so i mean have you have you also thought about education at the university level and whether college should be free or whether you know this uh, this tuition thing is just a joke in the states?
3: Yes, and let me mention this resource as well for parents who are interested in sending their kids to college. And I think there are some cases, you know, for that. And, um, you know, they're free and welcome to do that. This is a great resource. It's called The Bear's Guide to Earning Degrees by Distance Learning. That's spelled B-E-A-R-S, Bear's Guide, the publisher's 10-speed press. And what John Baird does is he goes through and um, has the resource how to get a degree from distance, correspondence. I mean, you could stay at your home and go to various colleges and you can get it done in maybe about two or three years, less time, less money, sometimes a third or um, uh, half of the cost. Mm. And and when you get your degree, it doesn't say you got it from distance. It says just a regular degree with the seal on it and your name and congratulations on this bachelor's or master's or whatever you can do. Um, so that's one way that parents who want to pursue that, they can get that guide and go down that path. Um, the other thing is that there's so much time wasting in college and I don't know if you guys went to college, uh, but there's a lot of partying going on, you know, for the first time you have, um, 18, 20 year olds out by themselves and they're given this, you know, taste of freedom. So they go out and explore and, you know, have a great time. So there's a lot of time wasting that's going on. Um, I would say if you're gonna be interested in business, you probably don't want to go down that path. I've uh, interviewed a really wealthy and successful guy named Rick Rule, R-U-L-E, on my YouTube channel, and I asked him, What do you look for in hiring people? And he said, competence, mm-hmm. you know, technical competence. And he um he did you know mention sometimes, you know, if they have a degree, we look at them, but um, how real executive hiring is done is they want to see, you know, are you a mannered person? Uh, are you, um, are you polite? Can you work in a team? Are you self motivated? Um, what happens when you face difficulty and challenges? And if you can demonstrate that that's the kind of person, especially in business, um, you certainly don't need a degree. Um, and there's, you know, it is another one. If you're doing computers, you can just self, Teach yourself right now to code and start creating apps or start uh, pursuing the uh, information age. Um, But I would say medical, you probably do need a degree. Uh, Some states require law degrees to to practice law, Um, but you wanna look into it. I think more than a degree, the question that uh, parents might think about asking kids are, what do you like to do? You know, what excites you? What makes you feel alive? And with the internet, with podcasting, with YouTube, with uh, just an array of resources, with Fiverr, there's so many ways to make money, and I think the really great thing you can find is that you can do something you love, and you're good at it, and you can make money doing it, then I think you might have found your purpose, and that's a question that kids are really asked. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. What was I what was going to say about that. Oh, about kid about the internet, and so I I can't even imagine what school would be like. I I, I graduated in '88, so it was like right like you know four or five years after that we were sort of online, you mm. know at the, at the beginning stages, maybe the, six those years. Search
1: but, engines when I was in school.
0: Yeah, but I mean, what would it be like <laughs> now with the internet? Like that must be causing the education system a, a huge challenge. Like for everything that you teach, there's an alternate view online, or there's. Better information online, like how do they even keep up with with everything now? Or, well, or has it become totally online? Like I don't even know what it's like in school these days.
3: Well, one thing for sure, they don't allow you to have the internet um, when you're taking a test. And interesting guy to look up, also he's famous for his TED Talk and his experiment. His name is Sugata Mitra, M I T R A. He did an experiment in India where he put a computer in the wall and left uh, left it there in the slums in India. He left it there. They didn't explain to the kids or or anybody. He comes back three months and there's kids all huddled around it and they're learning and they're teaching each other English. And they're basically just self-directing themselves. And I I interviewed him. I said, what's one thing that uh, the school system could do? And he said. If they would just allow the use of Internet during tests just that, just a lack of the internet, that would change uh, so many things in the school system. Because you and I, we're taking care of business or doing various projects, activities. Guess what? When we have a question, we just go to Google or go to Start Page or go wherever, and we can find the answer instantly, almost. And imagine if you have a a school that allows uh, students to have access to that type of information. How much will the tests have to change? What type of questions will they begin asking? Oh, the right. Students? Yeah. And there could be some positive results from that. And I was, I was pretty impressed with that idea. I said that sounds pretty good. So there's a few, you know, um, solutions out there. And he said, "I'm still waiting for um, the legislative people to contact me. Nobody's contacted me yet. And um, I didn't tell him, but I don't think they're going to contact me because they've they're doing they're, they've um, facilitating the school system just the way they want it. But I really liked his idea. You know, I've
1: <clears throat> I've heard the same thing about uh, dropping tablets in Africa, like solar tablets. Tablets? Like
0: ecstasy tablets? No, like oh.
1: fucking tablets. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like a computer tablet. And those kids with no instructions, nothing, and the kids just figure them out. And they were even like, they were using them, they were hacking them. And wow. really Yeah. yeah. I can't remember where I heard that. It must have been yeah. a documentary or a podcast or something.
0: Because doesn't that totally change the way they, like you Like you said, David, about doing the test. Like at first I thought you meant, okay, well, you know, they can find the answers and all, but really that would force the questions to change. That's the important part. And like instead of, you know, instead of memorize, having to memorize silly things that you're never going to use again in your life, you could actually learn how to ask questions and answer proper questions like that must be just changing everything now having access to everything at your fingertips
3: yeah and if there was a school board or a school body that could actually make changes my guess is there would be um this type of you know dialogue and discussion and debate going on but it's been so just centralized that little voices, you know, in the school board or, you know, lower ranks, you know, the PTA, and these are all well-meaning people. Let me address the teachers here. The teachers don't understand that they're part of a bigger um, organism, a bigger institution. And my mother was a teacher in fact, and I have family members who are principals and teachers now in the system, and they're great people. The, The issue is that many of the teachers don't understand the concepts of basic learning and what propels learning. And we know what doesn't, it's forcing. Whenever you're forced to do something, you lose your free will, and now you resent that force, and you're unable to learn. And so the, um, the idea of having internet is, is really revolutionary. I just um, have not put my hope in that system, which is my message is to, to opt out. You know, you can homeschool, you can do some of these private school models. Uh, there's a lot of supportive communities out there, but now with the internet and there's such revolutionary changes in like, um, are you guys familiar with Uber or Airbnb?
1: Yeah. Yep. Uber just got kicked out of Calgary. I didn't even think it was allowed here. Well, yeah, it was, I don't think it was either, but they were like
3: hiring people. Really?
0: Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Driving
3: people. Did have either of you ever taken Uber any place?
0: You know what? I haven't actually taken Uber now.
3: Next time you're in a city or place where they allow it, try it, download the app, connect your payment system on there and Mm -hmm. try it it's one of the most exciting things ever for me it was because they come almost within two to three minutes you can look at your app and you can see oh there's a driver right there there's a driver right there and as soon as you say pay the fare they come up and they are very polite they got nice cars and i just think it's so fascinating that a superior method of transportation is being blocked and the reason again they're using the law and the government and these taxi unions to block these folks through, um, through making laws. And yeah. the reality is it's superior. And I just saw some numbers that Uber's the largest transportation company in the world right already. now. Already. Wow. But they own, yeah, already, and they own zero cars. And then using the same type of model uh, through Airbnb, Airbnb is the largest hotelier um, in the world, and they own no hotels. So there's technologies that are just making other uh, traditional ways of doing business and interacting with people obsolete. And the the vision and the dream is to have something like that um, for school. And I think uh, that will happen in my lifetime. I think it's just a matter of time.
1: It'll be Uber everything, right? Uber yeah. doctor, Uber restaurant. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, out, I'm down here in um, San Jose, California, and there's signs from Amazon. I don't know about you folks, but it says... Um, Amazon Prime delivers in an hour. So you can actually order something on Amazon and they deliver it to your house in one hour.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a California thing, because here I get I get two days with my prime. And that's,
3: and that's sometimes not
1: it's a day, though, like I ordered a DVD player Sunday night and it was here when I got home from work today and it was only like 26 bucks. Wow, But I seen that ad the other day for the Amazon drone, that they're saying that in the UK next year, they're going to roll it out, that it'll be like Amazon Air, where it's an option. And if it's less than 10 pounds, that drone just leaves their warehouse and it's at your place in like 15 minutes. Wow,
3: that's actually manifesting over there.
1: And they'll just have these little fucking warehouses. They'll have little stations with all these, you know, the most popular stuff they're selling, right? It's not won't be available on everything, just whatever's in your local warehouse you can get. And I think you get a little thing. If you're part of the Amazon area, they'll send you this chip or whatever, and you throw that wherever you want the drone to land.
3: Oh, my. <laughs> it really is a space-age time to be alive. And it, and I'm
1: going to shoot it, those fucking things down well, that's and the steal thing. the stuff. No, but then they'll probably get you then. It's like an army of drones comes and just... <clears throat>
0: but, I mean, it wasn't too long ago we first heard about that, like maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and, and everybody was joking, oh, they're just kidding, it's not really going to happen. And, and already, like a year later, it's, it's it's becoming a reality.
3: It's quite amazing. I, I didn't realize they were going to be doing it. I guess it's a matter of time. There's also a great book um, called Freedom, written by Adam Kokesh, and he talks about an idea of having drone taxis <laughs> so I mean Elon Musk at, at Tesla talks about driverless cars and then in this book he talks about can you imagine drones let alone like dropping off packages but picking up people and dropping off people I was like man so this is maybe 10 years down the road I don't know but the, the idea is is quite exciting and you know our kids are growing up in this world so the idea that the school system can prepare them for this type of world, is so outdated and I would just, you know, really encourage parents to explore. They can contact myself at educationoptionsexpo.org. They can look up uh, johntaylorgatto.com and just start, begin to, to see what is available. You know, what are your options? What are your choices? Because you have a lot. And what Gatto says is that the greatest weapon the school system has is your fear. And he said if, if parents just take up you know, courage and you don't have to go break stuff, but just begin voicing your opinion. And if you want to opt out, do that. There's also a project that uh, Gatto started in his, um, his other book called Weapons of Mass Instruction, and this is available at BartlebyProject.com. And he talks about if your child's having a test, there's no need to yell and scream you just write at the top of the test, I prefer not to take your test and just sit there. And this is a, a movement that he started. And uh, so parents, I mean, there's, there's really a lot of power that you have. Remember there's, there's more parents in a school system uh, than teachers and administrators. And they don't know that they're just part of this bigger hive. And there's so much potential that your child has that I don't think they would get a lot of value by memorizing these things when they can just, as you mentioned, you know, search it and you can find the answer instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And, you uh, and I think the, are you guys uh, familiar with 3D printing? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and virtual so, reality too. I was going to ask you about that. Like what have you thought about entering the classroom in a virtual space and how like that's going to come up quick, I think as well, that'll be a game changer where people can sit at home and connect with the world via, a virtual reality class,
3: yeah. Virtual reality is pretty interesting. I think if it, uh it's made in a way where there's you know choice and voluntary participation, great. Um, the other thing to be aware of, I think, is just anytime you program yourself with visual and audio, uh, you want to make sure they have good intentions. So if it's coming, you know, from a centralized authority, they have you know, like we we're talking about, you know, their own propaganda to say how good they are and how you know helpless and weak, you know. child is or whatever it is. Uh, But there's also something called a MOOC. This is M-O-O-C. This is Massive Open Online Courses. Mm -hmm. And these are courses you can actually type into the internet right now and you can find live courses or recorded courses from Harvard, MIT, where you can actually basically sit in there as a student in a classroom and get the same lecture that the students in attendance are getting and participate in the course as if you're actually there in the the classroom so these technologies are uh, making it so people can get great knowledge from long distance and choose who they want to learn from
1: i've actually uh i've used one of those i watched a few there was one on astrophysics i seen it It was on my apple tv just as some random add-on so i gave it a whirl and i watched like five seconds i watched a lesson I fell asleep. <laughs> it was pretty dry. It was like actually that though was just a camera sitting in a classroom, right. pointing it at the teacher.
3: So could you imagine these types of um, technologies? Maybe fifteen years ago. I mean, I was around just when the internet was starting to blossom too in the in the early nineties. So I do remember the world without the internet, and then now just to see it how it's a given. You know, some of these young people are getting smartphones at age eight or 10. And they're just assuming that this is how the world exists. There's a device that's master of the answers or master of information. <laughs> yeah. And this is like natural, of course you can tweet and you can you know, text and video talk and FaceTime. And so it's, I think technology has its value there to connect with people. And then what's missing in schools, which is so concerning is the connection to nature. There's very little time out in nature and solitude you're always being around noise and you don't have a chance to really self-reflect um and also a lack of recess you know obesity is a huge epidemic in this country and i'm sure you have you know research to look some of the, f- the food objects or the ingredients of food uh you know high fructose corn syrup is terrible and aspartame and diet soda drinks and diet drinks but this is getting back to recess and there's Maybe they give you 20 minutes of recess nowadays, uh, but they're taking out recess, they're taking out art, they're taking out music, everything to, um, you know, create some type of inspiration in the young person. They're removing, and you know, this is I think a huge problem. So, um, again, just for parents, you know, there are great solutions out there. In fact, I just learned about a, a solution uh, two days ago. They'll be exhibiting at our expo called OutSchool. Yeah, I wanted to
0: ask you about your uh, your, your expo a little bit more.
3: Yeah, the expo is in March, um, March 5th, Saturday, um, 2016, in San Jose, California. If uh, somebody mentions Grime America there, just email me or um, contact me. I'll let you in for free. There's a minor admission at 10 bucks online or 20 bucks at the door. And I have speakers like Dana Martin. She's famous for unschooling. And there's Agile Learning Centers would be there. There's something called Acton Academy, it's A-C-T-O-N. Some really cool uh, solution is uh, a guy out in Detroit called ThreatManagementCenters.com. And he has been running an organization, which is basically a private peaceful police uh, security uh, force. And so he's starting an academy and he teaches young people how to, nullify threats without killing people without you know hurting people and so he'll be there a guy talking about homeschooling curriculum and um a, a coder school the guy started a private school to teach young people how to code hmm. um will be there so yeah the details are educationoptionsexpo.org and uh, yeah anyone who learns about this um event through you guys just contact me i'll give you free admission sweet um, and uh, if you have some people that are down here, you know, refer them to me. And like you mentioned, Darren, you have some young kids. Um, I'm happy to be a resource for you just because this is kind of the world which is directly affecting you and some of your colleagues or friends. And um, parents, you know, are really just confused. So the whole idea behind the expo is to create one day where parents can come to one location, learn from uh, experienced mm-hmm. innovators and find out, you know, do they want to do homeschooling? Do they want to do? Um, some kind of academy, some type of learning center, and you know, if not, no big deal. We just want to create the atmosphere where we're talking real solutions. We're uh, no longer gonna, you know, accept this school system or try to go make our um, our vote heard. And I mean, if people wanna vote, that's fine. They can they can do that. What I'm saying is that there's so much better solutions out there where we don't have to ask permission. You simply withdraw your kids from the school system. You create a cooperative. A group, or you put them in a private school, or you do something where every day somebody around them's gonna ask, "What are you interested in? You know, mm-hmm. what do you what do you want to do? You know, the world is your oyster. The world is the world needs you to rise up as a leader, rise up as an inventor. Maybe inside of you is the solution to this X problem. And you know, these kids, I mean once they start believing in themselves, they're they're off to the races, and they can you know begin creating a lot of positive change um so there's a there's a lot of hope and um this is an expo this is the third time i've held the expo and yeah there's a a, a lot of great people are going to be there so uh, if you guys are down there come on through but uh, that's a great idea <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: no that's a great idea but i interrupted you before you were talking about uh, the solution you talked about you you learned about a couple of days ago out was it out schooling or something like that
3: out? Yeah. yeah out schooling or it's outschooling or outschool.com. Okay. And I love what they're doing. What they're doing is they basically organized um, this business around field trips where parents can get together and pay 30 bucks or pay 60 bucks and take their kid to a museum, take their kids to dissect some eyeball or take their kids to go learn about computer programming. Um, I also saw on how to make sourdough bread, <laughs> um, so, but, but letting them have all these experiences. So you don't have to be the expert if your mom or dad listened to this, there are experts out there. There are people who are finding solutions, um, to that. And there's another great one. This one might be in your area soon. They're called TechShop.com, and they do have 3d printers. They also have uh, laser cutters. They got woodworking, metalworking. And they, I think they have about 10 locations nationwide. I think they just opened maybe in Paris as well. And what they do, they just have a shop where you pay a membership every mm. month and then you have access to the 3D printer. You have access to all these great tools and you allow the kids to go in there. They offer classes, you know, pay 80 bucks or something, take a class from this uh, experienced person about safety and how to create something. And so there's a really an exciting number of solutions that are coming out. And I just implore parents to take a look, and uh, you know, keep an open mind, and keep you know, there's there's hope. You know, don't feel like you gotta do this on yourself. Because just many people have gone down this road, and uh, if you take a look at John Gatto, uh, he can direct you to some some positive uh, solutions. And there's another resource I gotta give you. Uh, There's a school called Summerhill, and if you go on YouTube, the story about them is online for free. You just type in Summerhill 2008. In YouTube, it's a about an hour and a half movie, and it talks about the philosophy of A.S. Neil and self-directed learning. And it's uh, I actually get emotional watching that movie because there's so much trust, there's so much um, mutual respect between the learner and the the counselor, the guidance you know adult there. And it's it's a great movie. It's not only a good story; it's a well written and well-directed movie and you can get that for free online hmm. yeah that's great there's lots
1: of resources there so what um i suppose what would you say for the for the parent that kind of you know like what do you think the at the very you know if you can't afford to homeschool or you can't afford a private school um like, what's the, if like, is it eight, if you keep them home till eight and maybe homeschool until eight and then get them into school? Like,
3: is that sort of better than before that? Yeah, that's a good, beautiful question. You do, you want to keep them at home as long as possible, help them form their character, help um, share your values as a parent with your son or daughter. And if you must work, you know, whatever the case might be, it's okay. You know, send them to public school, but... When they come home, help them understand that they're part of this, there's this institution. You can even help them uh, realize the origins and how it was designed. If they realize what they're a part of, they can no longer be caught in the snare of it because they're aware of that. So um, yeah, be involved, help them um, to not feel tr- be stressed about these tests because this is what they're told, you know, you, you gotta do this test or you're not gonna have a successful life and re- help them understand a successful life, like Albert Einstein said, he said, don't try to become a man of success, try to become a man of value. So if you can learn to give value, son or daughter, you're going to be fine. And, um, you know, be open with your son or daughter. You know, it's man, I myself, as I mentioned, I went to public school. So I, you know, there's things that I feel incomplete towards because of the school system and you know, um, one of it is anytime you raise a hand, you know, and you get called on, what does that do if you get the answer wrong, right? You learn people are going to laugh at you if you take a risk and it doesn't work out. Um, so yeah, if, as long as the parents are involved, um, you know, there, there's hope and there's hope in any case, just, um, don't tr- entrust them fully to the school system. Just hmm. thinking the school system has this great solution for your child and you know, mom and dad are too busy, and it, it, it is. You know, life is busy, and we come home and we want to spend time with our loved ones and have one or two or you know three hours a night, maybe if we're lucky. And we just want to relax. We just want to enjoy our leisure time. So uh, when the discussion about school comes up, a lot of times, you know, they don't think about it. So <laughs> yeah, just you know, have a conversation with them and begin asking. You know, whatever you're interested in, honey, daughter, I'll support you and. You know, I want you to be successful, and um, you know sometimes you know school is not the answer. So if something's not working, you know we can find some options that will you know respect you and you know trust you to follow your own passion and your own star.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hey, I wanted to ask you something if you don't mind, if you got time. Just so it might be a little off topic, um, <clears throat> but it's sure. uh, some of our listeners might have heard about this from from listening to another podcast called the No Agenda Show, and it's uh, it's about a documentary called Killing Ed and I guess it's uh, about the Gulen movement. So it's an expose about the corruption, politics, and anti-democratic efforts to privatize U.S. public schools. So have you heard about that, and do you have any thoughts on that at all?
3: I have not. I'll write that down, and we can chat later about it. Could, could you tell me the name of it again?
0: Yeah, it's called Killing Ed, as in Killing Education. And after okay. reading the description, I, I mean— uh, I guess it, the documentary investigates the worst-case scenario: a rapidly expanding taxpayer-funded Texas-based charter school network. So it's about the mm-hmm. charter schools, America's mm-hmm. largest, operated by a global Islamic organization known as the Gulen movement. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I, I think it's a bunch of Turkish guys who are sort of organizing it, but uh, yeah,
3: the charter movement's a dicey subject just because. In some ways, they're good, allowing a little bit more freedom, a little bit more self-direction. Mm-hmm. In the other ways, it's um, sometimes can be worse than uh, traditional compulsory schooling because the school boards many times are appointed, they're not elected, and so you have corporate interests who come to profit off it because right. they calculate I don't know what the exact figure is, but it is a, a per head basis. Um, if you have, uh, you know, 50 students, then you get uh, X dollars. I wanna say anywhere from 10 to $15,000, it might be more, um, but there's, there's big money involved. And um, I'll share one more thing here is that the very wealthy people uh, put their kids in private schools, but they are called elite private boarding schools. And so these elite private boarding schools have various principles which they practice to help their young ones become leaders and (laughs) help them rise to the top. And one of them is is called the active literacies. What is that? That is the ability to speak well, public speaking, and uh, the written word to become writers. And so these private schools teach that, but one way that Gatto hacked that system is he would just have his students write and they, it, once you get in the habit of writing, he said, just write. If you want to become a great writer, just write 300 words a day mm-hmm. and get in the habit of writing and expressing yourself. And in a matter of time, you'll be a great writer. If you want to be a great speaker, just seek opportunities to go out and speak in public and just keep at it. Right, And then in time, you'll become a better speaker. So these private schools are very costly, but what they teach is not costly. And he's famous for saying, what these private schools teach doesn't cost a penny. Now their tuition is expensive because of, you know, the keeping the grounds and paying the teachers, but the actual principles are very inexpensive. And you can learn more on YouTube, type in 14 principles of elite private boarding schools by John Gatto. And the last resource I think your audience will enjoy is an article um, which John John commented uh, from Harvard, and it's called 10 Skills for Success in the Global Economy." And he goes through the commentary. They list Harvard listed the ten, and then um, John goes through and talks about the uh, various principles. But they're all basically saying you have to direct yourself, you gotta make your own goals, you gotta overcome. Uh, challenges. And that article is for free on John's website. Just go to johntaylorgatto.com. That's for free on the front page of his website, and um, we'll send that to you directly. Um, So these these private schools do focus on uh, public speaking. There's also um, teaching them access to power. You know, how do you get to um, a powerful person? There's one other story (laughs) where uh, John um well a student had interest in doing a project and the project was how can i get a meeting with the mayor of new york city so that was his his project for the whole year so he's sitting down plotting preparing the plan how you know what can i do you know what type of little actions and activities can i do maybe make an event maybe make a you know letter and begin you know some type of initiative and uh, get a meeting with the mayor and of course um, you know, they got meetings with mayors and CEOs and uh, dignitaries. And um, what he's uh, written about in the underground history of American education is just phenomenal. And I think uh, your readers would get a lot of value. And uh, despite the deep rabbit hole it goes down, it does come out our solutions throughout. So, um, again, there's some some. Real reasons to be positive, despite the challenges we're looking
0: at now. Yeah, I think I think it's really great what you're doing. I love how you've put together that expo, and I, I've always wondered if I did have kids, what I would do. And I, I tend to, you know, think now that I would lean towards that, but there's that fear comes up right away. So I'm glad there's uh, someone like you out there giving some people some
1: options fighting a good fight and what, what what was the date of the expo again maybe march 5th i think march 5th oh that's right around my yep. birthday california yep. don't sound so bad in san jose is pretty
0: san jose is fairly close it's fairly north isn't it
3: yeah, we're, north in california yeah basically northern california uh we have we're about an hour south of san francisco and yeah we have google headquarters up the street and ebay and you're Basically, got, Sil- Silicon Valley. Don't
0: speed through there. I got a speeding ticket driving through San Jose once. <laughs> oh, these guys,
3: that's a whole different conversation. These guys in the racket of you know revenue generation,
0: good, good, good grief. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for coming on. We're gonna link to all that in the show notes, all your stuff, and and thanks for being so open with all the resources too. Like this is just a you know podcast full of uh, links and resources for people. So it's, I really appreciate the uh, openness
3: absolutely i appreciate what you guys are doing out there opening the dialogues the discussions for topics which uh, should be discussed you know mainstream and have at least a, a conversation and uh, that, this is how ideas can be refined you know there can be dialogue and debates and um you know just having a, a forum where you're open to speak your mind and uh, get feedback it's, it's so great so i i'm grateful for you guys for what you're doing i appreciate you taking leadership i know it's not easy to start up and do it but uh, I think you know there's a lot of hope with humanity and you know uh, mutual respect and trust in relationships. So, yeah, I look to uh, stay in touch with you guys, and uh, if I can be of service, do let me know in the future.
0: Right on, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a have a great expo there, and uh, enjoy your holidays.
3: Yes, merry holidays to you as well. <laughs> Happy New Year, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. And um, now, you guys are what city are you guys based in? In fact, we're in Calgary, Alberta, just Calgary, above the border Alberta. there. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, uh,
1: just east taken... of the Rockies.
3: Okay, nice. I haven't made it that far east in Canada. I just uh, visited Vancouver the first time. Uh, this this uh, was it. I don't know, three four months ago, and I loved it. Man, Canada is a really beautiful beautiful country.
0: Yeah. Well, if you're ever in Alberta and Calgary, give us a give us a shout. We can come and do this. So you can come over to the studio and do it in person.
3: Hey, I would uh, look forward to do that. As you mentioned in the beginning, we do intend to turn this into a movie, and there'll be some really exciting. Uh, bits of information to be released in uh, early January Uh, there's John Gatto has a lot of fans and there's a lot of them are many high level so it will be quite exciting if we can you know manifest this film based on his um, underground history book and not only have a you know a dramatic you know impact but make uh, other solutions be aware so yeah I look forward to connect with you guys uh, next time I'm out in the Calgary. Right on. Yeah, even a documentary would be great. Yeah, but if you yeah.
1: do a movie, maybe Graham could be like one of the <laughs> old crappy teachers or something. We could sneak
3: <laughs> him in there. <laughs> yeah, if he has some acting ability, we'll... Uh, maybe a we'll, phys ed, uh, ed teacher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, those are my favorite teachers. Those are like the only guys actually had a positive influence on me. Right, the coaches?
3: Yeah, you know, guys, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, not not all of them, but there was a couple of guys who were pretty good. A
1: couple of guys that really influenced you coming up, eh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: all, right, all right, David. David. Yeah,
1: th- Thanks a lot for, uh, for coming on the show. And, yeah, we look forward to maybe we'll try and make it down there for the expo. If not, I'm sure we can find someone in San Jose to send.
3: Yeah, that would be great. Great to uh, – if you guys come, I'll uh, let you guys come to the VIP dinner because you guys are – And um, yeah, you can come talk, you know, with some of the speakers if you choose. But yeah, in in any case, you know, it's uh great to connect with you, gentlemen, and yeah, let us be in touch, and um, yeah, we'll uh, keep the conversation alive. All right, David. Thanks. Have a good night. All right. Yep. Good night. Thanks. Bye -bye. Bye.
1: Was our chat with David Rodriguez? What do you think, buddy? Little tooth.
0: I, I learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot. I, I mean, I, I don't have the. I don't charisma. know what I would do if I had a had kids that age, right? But I, I do have kids. That age. I know. It's. I, I've thought about it before. I was like, what would I do? I'd, I'd really not want to put them in the public school system, but that would be a tough. My call. oldest
1: is gonna want to go to school. That's, the, that's the other problem. She already wants to go to school. I could see my youngest homeschooling.
0: Well maybe if your four year old wasn't in fine arts school right now, then she would maybe not want to go to school.
1: <laughs> she likes it. She's getting <laughs> That's the
0: thing, it's the social thing, right? That's hard for people. Like I was as a kid playing hockey with kids and and well actually hockey was out of school, but
1: Hockey's it's a social school thing. You know? That's just say, As soon as she got out into preschool and had some with some other kids, it's just like she just loves you know. it
0: yeah but but like but, like we talked about in the intro, it got pretty conspiratorial, which was which was great. I learned a lot about the uh, the history of the education system. it's pretty crazy really Prussia, and how do they keep up with the changing paradigm? they
2: can't barely they barely uh can yeah like you know, your that, your
0: your sister must talk about that i read like how like how do they are people allowed to use google in school and stuff like that cuz really like you're just teaching people to memorize stuff that they can find out in a second anyways
2: <laughs> yeah this is that is something that we've uh, discussed discuss quite a lot how school in my in my humble opinion shouldn't be about trying to memorize stuff you know dates of, of battles and, and, and the, the names of the capitals of, of countries. It should be about number In one, Russians. how to fi- how to find information. Number two, how to assess that the information is going to be valuable. Number three, how to apply that information. And number four, you know, um, uh, build up strong logical skills you know how to how to tell uh, uh how to tell out the bullshit you know find find the needle in the haystack and how to know when what you are reading is uh, needs to be checked or confirmed
0: yeah that's very well said
1: yeah so that that's a good one check out the show notes there's tons of links in there uh big thanks to dave for coming on the show Check out grandamerica.ca slash support for all the different ways to help support the show. Um, that's about it. That's about it. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign other people up for the newsletter.
0: Spam Graham. Graham.
1: And tell your friends about the show. Uh, thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad.
2: <laughs> Feliz Navidad.
1: Because uh, I think I'm going to schedule for this to come out Christmas morning. No, a timed release. Oh yeah! Merry Christmas.
0: A little Christmas present for people. Yeah. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See you. Then. <laughs> season high
2: paranoia here comes another show for you they're the kings of america they're the kings of america everybody listen to darren and graham